about what life is. Nowhere in your Bible does it say that tomorrow is going to be more prosperous than today. Nowhere does it say that you're healthy today, you're going to be healthy tomorrow. Tomorrow is yet to be written. The details of your life that will happen tomorrow have yet to happen yet. And so it is an error and it is unwise to boast about tomorrow because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. At times, it would be great to know exactly what will happen in the future. But as Pastor Daniel reminds you today, that isn't reality. In fact, you'll learn that the book of Proverbs says it isn't wise to rest on your expectations of what will happen tomorrow. Nothing is promised. Things can change in the blink of an eye. So you shouldn't bank on what you think will happen, but instead place your hope in who God is and what He says is true. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Proverbs chapter 27, as he begins his message, one-liners. Everybody loves a good one-liner, don't they? Anybody? It's amazing how many movies have... Oh, you guys are clapping already. I haven't even given you one yet. Just so many movies have these great one-liners. How many of you guys remember... I'll be back. Yeah. And he came back as the governor of California. I mean, like, I mean, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger had a bunch of good ones there, didn't he? Remember, hasta la vista, baby. How about, you guys remember this one? This is one of my favorite ones. Stupid is as stupid does. All right, that's a good one. Or my favorite from, from my own heritage, leave the gun take the cannoli. That's the godfather, right? It's like, it's like, it's amazing how like a movie with like this classic line, right? It ends up, it sticks with you for a long, long time. How many guys, some of those of you who are a little older might remember, frankly, Miss Scarlett, I don't give a, I wouldn't say it's in church. Casablanca, right? This is so, so one-liners, they stick in your head. They're classic. Everyone's like, I wonder what the last word was. No, don't worry about it. May the force be with you. Swing. I can do this all day. There's a, there's a million one-liners, right? Now, why do I bring this up? Because we've been studying the book of Proverbs, and we've been studying the book of Proverbs all summer, and the book of Proverbs is God's one-liners, that's why we're calling this series Hashtag God's Tweets, because if God had a Twitter account and he could only say what he wanted to say in 140 characters, that's what the book of Proverbs is. It's all of these great one-liners from the Lord. And it's been really fun because, and I've been talking to you all about this as we've been going through it, that because it's all of these one-liners, these little pithy, truthful statements, it's almost hard to put into nice little Units And so I wrote down all these different things I can title these messages like truth bombs and one-liners and soundbite. I've been came up with all these ones. So today we're calling the message one-liners. And literally what we're studying today has a lot of great one-liners in it. So I want you to grab your Bible. 
that you brought with you to church. I want you to open it up to Proverbs 27. I'm going to take Numbers 27, or Proverbs 27, and I'm going to take it out of order for the most part, because it's amazing how as you read a whole chapter of these one-liners, there are certain themes that, that pop up. And so I'm going to take things a little bit out of order, but you'll see I'll cover almost every single verse in this chapter for you. And there'll be one-liner applications for us. That's what I wanted to do with this. Instead, you know, these are all these little statements. I wanted to give you like almost one-liners of wisdom of how to live, given the fact that we have all of these one-liners. So look what it says in verse 1, Proverbs 27. It says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Verse 2, let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. So in verses 1 and 2 of Proverbs 27, we learn quite simply that we need to beware of boasting. We need to beware of boasting. In these two verses, we end up having two different areas that we could boast in, but we shouldn't. Notice first in verse 1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Now, this is wisdom right here. Presumption about the future is dangerous because the future is uncertain. We have to be careful not to be presumptuous about tomorrow because we actually don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And in a lot of ways, this idea hits home pretty personally for a lot of us because six, seven years ago, our economy took a big nosedive. And one of the parts of the economy that was the driver of that was what they called subprime mortgages. And what it means is that everybody had the presumption that tomorrow was going to be more prosperous than today. And so people went, many of us did, right? You went on out and you got a mortgage that you really, you're borrowing too much money, but they would give it to you. And so you just assume that if, hey, if I get this mortgage, it'll be better tomorrow, right? And if we would have read Proverbs 27.1, we may not have done that. Because it reminds us that it's not lacking faith to be realistic about the uncertainty of tomorrow. And the Bible wants us to remember that there is a difference between trusting God and being presumptuous, right? And that's why Jesus would say something like in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus is saying, listen, don't worry about tomorrow, because you got enough on your hands for today. I can give you an amen for that, right? It's like tomorrow, there'll be stuff to deal with tomorrow. Today is today, and we got our own stuff that we got to get at today. So we don't want to worry about tomorrow. But at the same time, we don't want to be presumptuous about tomorrow. So you need to have a healthy realism about what life is. Nowhere in your Bible does it say that tomorrow is going to be more prosperous than today. Nowhere does it say that you're healthy today, you're going to be healthy tomorrow. Tomorrow is yet to be written. The details of your life that will happen tomorrow have yet to happen yet. And so it is an error and it is unwise to boast about tomorrow because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. Of course, James spoke about this, James chapter 4, verse 13 and 16. He says this, come now you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city 
spend a year there, buy and sell, and make profit? Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. (laughs) Wow, right? It's like you're like, whoa. All such boasting is evil? Yeah. See, one of the areas of boasting we need to be aware of is boasting that tomorrow it's going to be all like this because you just don't know. And part of walking by faith, walking with Jesus, being able to say, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I trust that when I get there, God will be there. I just don't know what it will be. And I don't want to be presumptuous, and we don't want to be presumptuous, expecting it to be something that we've never been promised that it would be. So we need to be aware of boasting about tomorrow, because the future is uncertain. And then verse 2, let another man praise you, and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. Now this speaks of self-praise. Now, if you, if you don't know anything about self-praise, all you got to do is Watch the people that are on the news, right? It's now, it's football training camp right now. And how often, I'm the best cornerback in the league. I'm the best wide receiver in the league. I'm the best, you know. They got to read Proverbs 27, verse 2. This is why I'm the best. You know what the Bible says? Don't do that. Don't let your own mouth praise you. Let somebody else praise you. That's a challenging thing, isn't it? To not boast about yourself. Oh, you know what I did? I did this. I got that thing done. This thing's... It's boasting. It's not wise. But it says instead we should let another person's mouth praise us. So what it's saying is, is don't talk yourself up. But if other people do, then that's a healthy thing. And what I want you to bring out of that for you and for me is when somebody does something good, you should tell them that they did a good job. When somebody is a blessing, you should say, you know, that was such a blessing. Now, right now, every married couple is wishing that their spouse is listening. Literally, everyone's like, oh, because so much stuff goes on and we're so used to people being a blessing that we take it all for granted. And if we don't want people to boast in what they've done, we can help them by saying, thank you so much for being the way that you are. Thank you for doing that. And let's be honest, doesn't it feel good when somebody affirms the things that we do? When you go out of your way to help somebody and they stop and say, thank you so much for that, don't you feel like, cool? Because if not, what you do, if you don't hear that, you're like, well, if they just knew how much I did for them, and they run the risk. So we need to beware of boasting. What a great one-liner for us in our lives. Skillful living, beware of boasting. That's what we had first. Now look at what we have next. I'm going to read you a number of different scriptures. Look at verse 5 of Proverbs 27. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You go down to verse 9. Ointment and perfume delight the heart, And the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Verse 10, do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. 
And then verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Now, did you notice a recurring theme in all these verses? What does this teach us? It's a great one-liner. Friendship has its privileges. Friendship has its privileges. Now, if you know advertising, how many of you guys remember membership has its privileges? I, right, that was American Express. That was their, their thing for like almost all the 80s and the half of the 90s. That was their marketing campaign. If you're a member of American Express, it has its privileges. And maybe so, maybe not. But friendship definitely has its privileges. And in each of these verses, we find out what a good friend is like, what the privileges of friendship. But what you'll find is, is that these explanations of a faithful friend is really not the kind of friends that we're looking for. Notice what it says first, verse five. Open rebuke is better than love, carefully concealed. What this says is that your friends should love you enough to call you out on your stuff. And a real friend is somebody who would come to you with an open rebuke, with a direct reproof. Someone will say, listen, you know I love you, but this is really concerning me about your life. Now, most of us don't really like friends like that, right? Most of us just want our friends to say, you're so great. We love you. Yeah. You know, maybe not that way. That was a bad song. But anyway, you know what I mean? Like, we just want people to affirm us. That's Our culture is big on this. I'm just going to affirm. You just got to affirm. A real friend loves you enough to say, I think that's a really terrible decision you're making. I'll never forget this. When Lynn and I got married, now every guy knows, no matter how much they love their wife, that when their wife asks, does this look good on me? It's a battle because you love your wife and you know, like, no matter how I answer this, I'm probably in trouble, right? So you guys, if you ask your husband, just got to realize that that puts like this dude turmoil big time. Right? So I remember the first time Lynn asked me that, and I got like the deer in headlights look. Like, I heard about this stuff before, Mike. And then she said, Oh, Daniel, listen, listen, honey, don't worry. My dad was always real honest with me. And if you think it doesn't look good on me, just tell me. And I'm like, Really? You know, I didn't believe her. And she's like, No, no, no. I want your honest opinion. I'm like, That looks terrible on you. And she's like, Oh, good. Thank you. I was like, Well, that's all right. She was teaching me how to be a real friend because a real friend doesn't say, oh, that looks great on you. And everyone's just like, so I'm using a superficial example, but a real friend will call you on your junk. Now, know what happens if we're doing things wrong and if we're living in a way that dishonors God, you know what you want to do? You want to get rid of the friends who who, who call you on your stuff. Why? Because you just don't want someone who cares about you enough to confront what you're doing wrong. But that's not a real friend. See, a real friend will not just allow you to be off the rails without talking to you. And that's why a direct reproof, an open rebuke, is better than love carefully concealed. You would rather have someone who loves you enough to tell you straight on that they're concerned about a decision you make than someone who says, I love you, but you never know it. So the privilege of friendship is an open rebuke. Now, it doesn't stop there. It actually keeps going, because look what it says in verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, one of the privileges of friendship is that your closest friends will hurt you. 
Their wounds come from close relationships. And now, how many of us, I want to, some of you right now, you've gotten wounded in relationships, and so you, you erect a wall so nobody hurts you again. But then you realize you're never really having a real relationship with anybody after that. If you don't allow people into your hearts to the place where they can wound you, then you're really not having a relationship. You are an island. What is, so was it Simon and Garfunkel? I am a rock. I am an island. I touch no man and no man touches me. That's not life. That's being dead while you're alive. And many of us, because one of the privileges of friendship is that somebody can wound you and hurt you, is that we keep everybody at an arm's distance, but you're never going to have the type of relationships you want when you're living that way. See, one of the privileges of friendship is that you allow people to get in and you can get wounded by them. My friends, Jesus calls us friends and he hung on a cross. One of the privileges of friendship is that when you, somebody cares enough about you to call you out and it actually hurts. Because the alternative, of course, in verse 6, tells us that the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And obviously, if you've read your Bible, right away you think about Judas in Mark chapter 14. Remember, he betrayed Jesus with a kiss. He lavished a display of affection on Jesus, but he was betraying him. See, one of the privileges of friendship is not an an illusion of caring, but somebody who cares enough about you to potentially wound you. Because, listen, when somebody openly rebukes you, doesn't that hurt? It leaves a scar. You feel a bit like, well. But one of the privileges of friendship is somebody who cares about you enough, because faithful are the wounds of a friend. My prayer is that for all of us, we have friends in our lives who will openly rebuke us, who will potentially wound us if they were so scared. Because the alternative is no... See, I use the same example for this. I think this is so important. Imagine if you're in downtown Vancouver, right? And you, and you get in your car, and, a, and as you're getting on to I-5, you realize that the whole, entire bridge in between Vancouver and Portland, it breaks. Literally, the, the whole road falls out. And you saw it happen, right? It's kind of a... It's a, it's a provocative image, Now, and people are barreling down I-5, right? Now, if you love those people, do you just sit on the side of the road and watch all these people barrel down I-5 into sure destruction? Is that what a loving thing to do is? I don't think so. A loving thing to do would be to stop and get out of your car and get in the middle of the road and try and stop everybody at the risk of your own life. Why? Because if you don't, they're going to die. See, I think too many of us, we just want to be loved, but we don't really care about people. This is why for me, when I I started following Jesus, immediately I started sharing my faith because I started realizing, if I really believe that Jesus is the only way, God's way for a person to be right with God and have a relationship with him, then if that's actually true, then if I don't share that with people, then I actually don't care about anybody. They can go to destruction. Who cares? as long as they like me as a person. A lot of us are like that right now, right? You believe in Jesus. You believe that you are a child of God because Jesus died on a cross and rose again, and you're not telling anybody because you're scared that they might dislike. You know what I've learned? My friends love me more because I'm willing to tell them the truth. 
And I'm willing to say, look, the reason I'm telling you this is because I believe that Jesus is the only way for a person to know God and a person to have a surety that when they die, they can be in heaven with God. And if I didn't tell you that, it would mean I didn't love you. That's why I'm talking to you about it. And they'll be like, Daniel, I know you love me. I don't know if I agree with it, but I know that you love me. What I found is that too often as Christians, we don't care enough to share. We, we don't care enough. You see a friend and they're making horrible decisions and you're like, well, who am I to say anything? Well, if you're a friend, you're going to say something. A friend cares enough to share. A friend, if you see somebody who's going to ruin their life, a friend says, look, I love you. You're going to ruin your life right now. But a person who won't open their mouth is not a friend. Don't really care. So one of the privileges of friendship is that you get... Sometimes your friends hurt you because they care enough about you. You go to verse 9, it's a beautiful thing. Ointment and perfume delight the heart. Ointment can also be translated incense. So the idea is something that's got a fragrant smell is a delight to the heart. And the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. That literally is counsel of the soul. So one of the privileges of friendship is that it's like a perfume or incense. It smells good and it's a delight. The counsel of the soul of a friend is a privilege. Do you have friends who speak into your life the things of God? Give you soul counsel, so to speak. Verse 10, notice. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. A friend who is available is better than a relative who is not. One of the privileges of friendship is you have people who are around and they're available to you. This reminds me of Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. Speaking about faithful friendship, most men will proclaim their own goodness But who can find a faithful friend? Who can find a faithful friend? See, friendship has its privileges, doesn't it? You have biblical counsel. You have an open rebuke. You have the potential of wounds from somebody who cares enough. You have proximity and availability. Of course, in verse 17... As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Proverbs 27, 17 might be the best verse on Christian discipleship you can find. As iron sharpens iron, so a man the countenance of his friend. What it means is that when you have the privilege of a godly friendship, that person will sharpen your character. Jesus is... The saying goes that good friends are hard to find. Today, Pastor Daniel shared a few qualities of a good friendship. In this world of surface-level digital relationships, it may seem strange that a good friend will call you out if they see you going down a dangerous or damaging path. You learn that friends should care enough about you to tell the truth even when it may hurt. They'll risk that pain because they love you. Hey everybody, I want to invite you to join me in reaching people with the message that Jesus is real. Would you pray about partnering with us in the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio? Your support in this way helps us to keep sharing God's word and helps us reach more and more people. 
Thank you for considering partnering. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. I'd love for you to be part of the Crossroads Community Church family, but I understand some of our listeners can't make it to the actual church building. If that's you, come join us online. We live stream our Sunday morning services at CrossroadsChurch.net. So grab a cup of coffee and join us wherever you are for our time of worship and teaching. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio and Pastor Daniel will share that many people are wandering around trying to find something to satisfy their souls. Whether it's money, romantic relationships, or even helping others, you'll find that nothing can fill you up in a lasting way. Pastor Daniel will help you understand that only God can give you the deep belonging and peace that you seek. Nothing else will work. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, God's Tweets. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.